Hello and welcome to this season's final episode of the Flying Start podcast, Leading to Success. Now, for the past month, all the first year trainers have been on externships in the US. So for this episode, myself, Jessica Dorm, and my fellow co-host, Taylor Owens, will be talking to a few of our fellow trainees about their experiences. First up, Taylor will be talking to Vincent Shergan about his time with renowned horse whisperer at Monty Roberts down in California, and I will be speaking to Marcus Bird and Lockie Pethica, who along with myself have been based in Lexington, Marcus with My Racehorse and Lockie with Windstar. I'm Taylor Owens. I am one of the team leaders with Jessica Daw. Joining me today on this podcast is Vincenzo Schiergen, who is currently spending his externship down in Southern California with horse trainer Monty Roberts. Uh, Vince, how are you doing today? Hi, Taylor. Uh, yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, I'm here in California at Flaggers Up Farms of Monty Roberts, and yeah, I'm having a great time here. Now, Monty Roberts, that's a very unique choice, and you're the first trainee on Flying Start to ever uh, choose Monty. What kind of led you to choosing him, and how has your experience been so far? Yes, that's right. It's uh, a bit different than the externships everyone else is doing. Uh, but, yeah, I, I choose Monty because, uh, yeah, for me, he's, like, the greatest horseman in the world. And I was always fascinated by the job he has done, like with several racehorses, like champion racehorses. And I thought it's yeah the perfect time to go and visit his place and learn from him because I would say there's no one in the world I could learn from about horsemanship skills. And yes, so I was asking, yeah. Clodagh if uh, it would be possible to spend my externship here and yeah it got approved and now I'm here. Now Maya Roberts he's not a racehorse trainer but he has experience with racehorses. Can you tell me a little bit about in our audience about what he does? Is it pre-training? Is it working with problem horses? Um, what, what kind of work does he do with horses? Yes, so Monty does, he has several different things. He does pre-training, but he also has done a lot like with Western horses. He had world champion horses and he has uh, a learning center here at his farm uh, where he teaches people his training techniques, um, how to work with horses. And these are all non-violent techniques. So yeah. Uh, one of his uh, famous quotes is that he wants to leave the world a better place than he, than he found it for horses and for humans. So, yeah, he tries to create uh, yeah, a better world. And, yeah, just great to see how he's working with the horses and that um, you create, like, a partnership with the horse um, to, yeah, better understand the horse and make the horse want things to do uh, instead of just like force the horse to do it so you give the horse the choice and yet to work with you and to enjoy it wow that's all pretty amazing and you yourself want to be a racehorse trainer uh someday in the future it's very important for you to understand what makes horses tick because uh, every horse is an individual and at the end of the day it's going to be your job to you know help them achieve uh, and do their best on the racetrack and 
going back and learning the basics and learning the fundamentals of equine behavior and it sounds like you're getting plenty of opportunity to do that with Monty what kind of stuff are you doing um, in the days I think you said um, earlier when we were talking um, off the off the program uh, that you're working with different types of horses like Arabians and two-year-olds uh, what kind of work are you doing uh, hands-on during your externship yeah that's right so I do yeah different stuff uh, throughout the day uh, usually I start in riding uh, two-year-old sogobreds uh, who uh, some of them already shipped out to the track to trainer some of them are still here because they needed a bit of more time so I ride them in the morning we do gate work and uh, yeah just get them used to yeah being a racehorse um, yeah what is yeah pretty good and then afterwards, I also work with Arabians and Mustangs. Uh, we have a few wild Mustangs here that got uh, introduced to the rider. So I was riding them for the first time. And it's quite interesting to see how different they are to our thoroughbreds. And then um, I also have like two, I would say like project horses. These are like two Arabs. And Monty uh, got in for me to learn from them. So that one of them is four year old and the other one is nine year old. The nine year old is actually a breeding stallion. Um, but both of them never had a rider on. And uh, yeah, they have been quite wild when they arrived. Um, and yeah, so I was working with them now for a few days and I was already riding them now. So yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. Wow. So working from two-year-old thoroughbreds and helping start Arabians and even nine-year-old breeding stallions, I mean, what a wide variety of horses and situations and training techniques that you're being exposed to. Yeah, no, I really uh, get, like, a different view, like, how to see the horse uh, because Monty explaining me so much about the nature of the horse and why the horse is behaving as it is behaving and it makes life so much easier to understand why the horse is doing it um, yeah, uh, yeah I'm really loving it here because I learn so much every day well Vince it sounds like you're having an incredible time and getting such invaluable insight into the way horses work and all good things that I sh am sure without a doubt are going to go forward with you and your future endeavors as you go throughout the rest of the program and ultimately one day run your own racing stable yeah hopefully that's the plan and yeah I keep working on it <laughs> well Vince thank you so much uh, for coming on today and telling us a little bit about your externship um, and the work that you've been doing um, you still have a week left you wrap up next week right yeah, that's right. Yeah, just a few days left. I'm actually quite sad to leave uh, Flag is Up Farms uh, because it's just amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do the best uh, out of these last few days. And yeah. So while Henry and myself are both up here at Fairhill and we wrap up next Friday, that's our uh, last day. I'm with Michael Stidham and he's with Graham Motion. Um, so we will see you back in Kentucky late next week when we return. But until then, Vince... Thanks again for coming on and talking about your experience, and good luck with the rest of your time down there with Monty Roberts. Thank you very much, Taylor, and yeah, see you next week. <laughs> so next up, we have Marcus Bird and Lockie Pethica. So first of all, Marcus, 
what can you tell me about what you're up to at the minute? Uh, so I'm at my racehorse. Um, it's been really good so far. I've been given lots of responsibilities doing different tasks. So going to Keeneland uh, to film some workers in the morning or going to Silver Springs to check up on some rehab horses as well as uh, profiling some mares that have been too authentic and had foals by him. So going out, seeing the foal videos, writing updates. Uh, it's been it's been really good. It's been very full on, but but very very beneficial. Cool. Sounds great. And what do you think your kind of biggest takeaways are as like a learning experience? I think the whole microshare style of syndication is just going to grow and grow. Like my racehorse has obviously been very successful in America, winning the Breeders' Cup Classic and Kentucky Derby with Authentic, but. They, they're now making strides in Australia and the UK. I mean, today they had their first uh, runner at Royal Ascot, Memar, uh, of Michael O'Callaghan's that ran in the Windsor Castle. Um, I can just see it gl- growing globally, just as more people want to get into racing at an affordable price point, like one-off payment, like it's perfect for, I don't know, I'd get my dad one for, for his birthday or Father's Day or something like that. And it just... It really helps to sort of sell the sport um, and show that it's not just a sport for the elite, it's a sport for for everyone. Um, and they've got a load of different horses and are obviously just going to keep growing and growing. Um, and I think that can only be good for the sport as we, we diversify and, and get more people into buying into elite horses. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think that the level that they have horses as well is brilliant. It's not just a syndicate where you've got loads, loads of level races. It's like having the runners at Ascot and the big races. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's a good thing about it, obviously, is is in a in a standard syndicate, you could you could pay a couple of hundred pounds or a couple of thousand pounds and, and be stuck with something that's not very good. But obviously with, with the price point of these horses, like a hundred pounds, a hundred dollars, um it's it's more than it's easy enough to get shares in more than one so you can sort of spread your risk and and like it's not like a syndicate lease it's 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 you then own equity in the horse like it's actually you own those shares if the horse gets sold or the horse wins a, a race with a stupid amount of prize money you you take your percentage away or if it gets sold to go to stud um you get those those profits as well so i think it's it's a good way of from a small amount of investment uh primarily entertainment and enjoyment but there is also you it, there's also a possibility of being able to make some money as well although as we know in racing there's there's no guarantee of that <laughs> and do you think this is something that you'd be looking to do kind of in the future would you be interested in working for like a microshare syndicate or yeah i mean it's really interesting um and obviously like i said it's just going to keep growing and there's there's more and more groups that are coming together to do this kind of thing. Um, obviously, with, with my racehorse expanding into the UK, they've now got four horses there. Um, so I can just see that growing and growing once it really takes off and they get the publicity that they're looking for. Um, and if they can emulate the success they've had in America, I think that will be huge for the sport. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting, interesting idea and it's definitely something I'll look into further. It sounds like it's been a great place, Ben. Um, I'm moving on to something slightly different. We've also got Lockie here, who's done his time with Windstar. 
So hi, Lucky. So what can you tell me about your kind of daily routine in a minute? Uh, my daily routine, uh, I'm in the training bar at Windstar in the mornings. So that's a pre-training facility that um, houses both Windstar-owned horses and private clients as well. Um, and so I'm there up until lunchtime, uh, just helping around the barn and uh, watching some work and trying to get a bit of a feel for American racing on that side of things. I think it's really interesting that um, trainers get horses into their into their yard uh, at a much more forward position than what we expect in Australia or in Europe. So that's been an interesting takeaway. And then uh, in the afternoons, I've been spending time uh, in the nominations and bloodstock department there, doing a little bit of pedigree research and um, working some, on some interesting projects for um, a couple of horses that they're planning on retiring next year. So that's been a really interesting insight and um, I guess just getting a feel for American racing and breeding as, as a whole. We've been doing it for three or four months now, but um, to really cement yourself in the industry day to day is um, really beneficial. What do you think you've learned most from your time so far at Windsor? Um, probably something that I wasn't expecting to take away from it, but I definitely have, is the benefit of having a streamlined program. As far as uh, Windstar obviously buys a significant number of yearling colts, and fillies for that matter, but brings them up through a system where, in many cases, they raise them as well. But um, they're able to track these horses through their breaking, through their early education, and then place them with a the trainer where they're most suited. And I think that having them in-house and educated under your own eyes uh, really helps the management process. Um, and it seems to allow them to start to sort the wheat from the chaff quite easily. Um, and I think the racetrack results sort of speak for themselves as far as um, how effective that's been. And you talked a little bit before about the kind of process um, of like retiring racehorses and their stallion career. What have you kind of gained from that whole process of kind of retirement in a sense and yeah, promoting the stallions? Absolutely. I think um, understanding how important the marketing element of, it, of that uh, process is has been really interesting. Getting the right uh, group of shareholders on board, the way that shareholders can be targeted um, so that the horse gets the best support that it possibly can. And then it's obviously, it's been an interest of mine for quite some time, but understanding the economics of how horses are valued and uh, the way in which syndicates are structured and things like that um, is something that I've gained a lot from and it's something that I'd like to continue to sort of learn about going forward and potentially work in. So um, from that perspective, it's been a really hands-on approach, um, slightly different to the way things happen in Australia, but seeing how strong the commercial market is and the number of commercial breeders that there are in America has been really cool. Um, and I think that makes it a great place to live. Yeah, definitely. I think I've noticed that even at the track as well. <laughs> so question for both of you. Do you think either of your placements have kind of changed your mind in where you'd like to end up in the end after the program? Or are you kind of still on board with what you wanted to do originally? I think for me... It's kind of, I, I think it's kind of similar for you. It's sort of along those sorts of lines you were looking towards. Um, so it certainly, it certainly hasn't put me off. <laughs> no, no, I've enjoyed it a lot. And I think it probably just gives you a better idea of the sort of place you want to work. I think. Yeah, um, sure. It gives you, do you agree, Jess? Have you? Yeah, completely. I think there's nothing like going and working in different cultures and different size businesses and sort of understanding how the mechanics of that work. So um, that's been one of my bigger takeaways, to be honest, just understanding how I think 
I'm best suited? I think for me as well, seeing the different styles of leadership has been a massive like learning curve and what you can take away from that is huge from looking at it at a completely different perspective than what you do before when you're just working a job. Yeah, and that's that's on that leadership note, that's been a big thing for me so far because obviously I'm I'm office based apart from when I'm going out to yards and it's just really nice just to like there's always a discussion going on, like which race is this horse gonna run in? Uh, how are we gonna sell shares in this horse? Um, and it's just been very different to sort of what you're used to sort of very being on a yard yeah very sort of thought process as opposed to sort of get out there and muck out that stall yeah that kind of process um, so that's been that's been really interesting for me I think it's interesting like a lot of racing yards are relatively autocratic and it's understandable it's, yeah I don't know if that's by the nature of the tradition or just if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, maybe it's the most effective way of going about it. I'm not sure, and I'm not suggesting that every trainer acts like that. But um, there's no doubt that it sort of precipitates its way through the whole um, the whole industry. But I think one thing that's interesting about the US, and Jesse probably would have seen this a bit more, is because so many trainers have different operations across the country, they're probably forced to behave a little bit differently to what you might see in Australia or in Europe. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think also on that, like you can imagine if you've if you've got four or five different setups across the country depending on the location even those locations within the same trainer's yard would still be would still be being trained slightly differently in yeah. different ways of of doing things yeah and especially when you've got a massive operation and you're working with different assistants every assistant is going to have a slightly way of different doing things within the yard so in the same operation you know different racetracks are going to have a completely different program almost yeah and it's very different when you kind of come from an English perspective. You see some things that are kind of are quite surprising. But then by, with time, you see how it does actually fit into the system. Yeah, and even work. just also how, how public, like, horses' works are. Like, yeah. From an, from an English perspective, like, the fact they're posting all the breeze-up times, and they have to, compared to compared to being very, very secretive in the depths of Newmarket. And the only, the only things you can get are sort of racing post journalists on the hill, timing them with a... With a stopwatch. Or private yards completely, where yeah, you exactly. wouldn't see a thing. It's very very culturally different, though, isn't it? Yeah, very much. But it's interesting seeing the challenges as well. Like In the entire time that we've been in the US, I think constantly there's been discussion around staffing being a massive issue. Yeah, and that's a global issue. So yeah, no doubt about it. But it's just weird to see how they, how they deal with it differently compared to... Getting involved with one of some of the bigger organisations, though, and seeing that they've still got those dramas and they've yeah. got such strong resources to look after people um it really makes you think a bit <clears throat> so with a few weeks left of america and we're looking ahead now to australia what are you guys most looking forward to lucky obviously it's your home country are you excited about showing us yeah i think that's the a big industry one. uh getting back showing everyone around I mean, we've had nature strip this week. It silenced a few little critics, which is nice. I wouldn't profess to, uh, well, I wouldn't profess that Australia is a good breed of mile and a half horses, but we do breed sprinters. There's no doubt about that. So I'm glad everyone's on the uh, nature strip train at the moment. Very exciting. You notice talking about Australia, he's gone more hard on his Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it'd be great to get everyone back there. Um, I worked in Scone for a little while, and we're going to be based in the Hunter, so... Um, really good to catch up with a lot of people and um, you know it's always nice to be home what about you guys what are you looking forward to yeah I mean I've been 
been to Australia on holiday, worked in New Zealand, so I'm just kind of looking to see the sort of similarities and differences between Australia and New Zealand. I had a great time out in at Windsor Park in, in New Zealand, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to going there, getting into a culture that's immersed by cricket and horse racing. That sounds sounds ideal to me. This concludes the final episode of season one of the Leading to Success podcast. Over the course of the season, we have gained some insight of the Godolphin Flying Start program, as well as having had some exciting guests and interviews all centered on the horse racing industry. As we come to the end of our U.S. externships and begin to wrap up our first year, our second year trainees are currently wrapping up in Ireland and will soon be graduating. As well, the 2022 to 2024 Godolphin Flying Start class has been announced, and we want to congratulate this group of 12 and wish them luck on the exciting opportunity before them. You will get to know this group in August when they begin Season 2 of the Leading to Success podcast. As I conclude on today's episode of Leading to Success, I want to send out a special thank you to Godolphin for sponsoring us on our two-year course. To our Executive Director, Clodagh Cavanaugh, to Martin Larkin, who has assisted and supported us in creating this podcast. To learn more, please visit the Godolphin Flying Start website or reach out to their Twitter at Flying Start News. Thanks again to our guests, Lachlan Pethica, Marcus Bird, Vincent Sheergan, and my co-host, Jessica Daw. I've been your host, Taylor Owens, leading you to success.